0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, you know
1: what? It's a new month. Is it? Yeah, it is. And I'm thinking to myself that we should probably have something like a month called Support Our Supporters.
0: Support Our Supporters?
1: Support Our Supporters. We've got some people who support our show. Yeah. And I want to show them some love. Okay. Yeah. So we've got someone who is regularly supporting our show, who's the industry bullfed himself, mm-hmm. Jason Furman, mm-hmm. from... Ainswick mm-hmm. Dog Quip. Ainswick Dog Quip. Ainswick. Yeah. I know you're a fan of Jason's equipment.
0: You know what? Sometimes I get these ideas in my head. Mm-hmm. Let's go I'm with like it. Jason, go with Jason it. I've got this idea for a tug and I want it to be this big and this round and made of leather. Yep. You got one? He goes, no, that doesn't exist, you idiot, but I can get it made. I go, do it, sir. He's pretty good like that, the old Buffett, isn't he? Yeah. We should get Teespring. The
1: buffet. The Teespring <laughs> merch made <laughs> Support the buff head. Support the buff. Yeah. But we've got people in other parts of the world that are Yeah, you know who's show. not a buff head? Tell me. Machlepointe. LePoint Le is French for Mark. <laughs> for not a buff head. Yeah, for not a buff head. And he is from. Canine Dynamics. Canine Dynamics. In Canada. Yeah. Please don't slow this one down. <laughs> so if I were in North America, that's where I'd be getting my, yeah. my working dog equipment from. He's got a great array of gear as well. He does. Yeah. Yep. And he's a very generous guy. Yeah. Mm. You know who else is a supporter of the show?
0: That would have to be Kindred Canine. Mm. Mel Benware. Our good friend, Mel Benware. She has got to be one of the best travel to your home, train the dog in your home dog trainers. Absolutely. In the area that she's in, which Richmond, is-
1: <laughs> Virginia. Or Ashland, Virginia. She <laughs> yeah. comes from Ashland, Virginia, but she services all the area around there. She's been a great support for the show and also a great support for the International Association of Canine Professionals. That's right. Who we are proud members of as well. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, if you're in Australia and you need dog equipment, mm-hmm. Jason Furman. Ainswick dog equipment. dog equipment. If you're in North America, yep. you need working dog equipment, Mark Point. <laughs> 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 Canine Dynamics. <laughs> And if you're in Ashland, Virginia Or Richmond, Virginia Yep, in that general area Yep, and you need pet dog training Melanie Benway Melanie
1: Benway Kindred canine Kindred canine Yep That's it
0: Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook, and joining us on Skype or Zoom or whatever thing we're using, Skype, Skype, we're on Skype, is Mr. Brent Dry, all the way from what feels like the other country of Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) The other side of the wall, the old Berlin Wall. Yeah. Mm. It's like that Murray River suddenly became an impenetrable barrier that nobody could cross.
2: There was a time where, I don't know who it was, he was talking about building a wall somewhere, and I didn't realise it was going to be built like from New South Wales across to South Australia and then down and locking us down in here. Yeah, I think so... Trump
1: overextended his budget.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that what it was?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> McDonald Trump. Sorry. Hey, first up, I want to sort of apologize to you and many others, because I had a bit of a whinge in the last episode about like, oh, I can't even exit my state and I want to do all these things. And as soon as we stopped, I thought to myself, oh, that was insensitive because there's people who haven't been out to work in months. And uh, like on the bones of their ass and literally haven't been allowed more than five kilometers from their house. And truth be told here in New South Wales, we're leading a a pretty close to normal existence again. And And we have for some time reasonably
1: without, without being able to get on a plane or cross the border.
0: Yeah. And it was grinding my shit. And I actually messaged Glenn and was like, Hey, can you just check what I said there? Like, was it too insensitive? You know, (laughs) cause it was really upsetting me. And so Here you are, one of those people. What's been going on, mate?
2: It's been a mess, man, to be honest with you. Like the whole of Australia, we kind of locked down in March, I think it was, for this whole flatten the curve thing. And all that sort of stuff, we did well. Like, we kind of knocked that over in a couple of months. Um, And for me, it was business as usual, apart from outdoor group classes. They sort of banned large groups of people together. So I could still do grooming and we could still do private consults and all that sort of stuff. So that wasn't too bad at all. And then there was this whole uh, hotel fiasco where anybody with COVID was going into these hotels and people were put in positions in hotels to quarantine people with COVID-19 and they absolutely fucked it up. And Mm -hmm. then we ended up with all of these cases being transmitted through the community And we were getting, you know, hundreds of cases a day. So we went into the stage four lockdown. I think time-wise it was August that that happened. I think it was beginning of August or something. And we've only just come out of it really this week. So in that lockdown, we had restrictions. So we must wear a mask anytime we go anywhere outside. Mm -hmm. We had a five-kilometer travel bubble we couldn't go and see any friends or family. You had four reasons to go out. One was for emergency health care. One was for shopping where only one person from your household could go out per day. So you could only go out once per day. Uh, one was for exercise and then one was for work if you were dedicated as a essential worker. So basically most of Melbourne or most of Victoria were locked down and confined to their homes apart from an hour exercise a day where you could go for a walk. But you couldn't even, like, if there was a really nice walking trail that you wanted to take your dog on within your five kilometers, when they first started, you couldn't do that. So you couldn't drive to a a track and then walk your dog. It was like, no, no, you need to walk your dog from your house. So that was kind of where we're at, man. And this week, it's just sort of come out that we've got a larger travel bubble, so 25 kilometers. Most people are back at work, so not all, but most are back at work, which is good because Mentally, I think most of us were going crazy.
0: Yeah, difficult time, man.
1: What really impacted me, Brentos, with this whole thing, and this is one of the reasons—not only because we love you and we wanted to catch up with you anyway—but one of the things that impacted me was number one, I had a conversation with my mum, and all my family are down in Melbourne. So my sister, my nieces, my mum, my uncles—you know, like everyone's down there—and I spoke to my mum at length, and probably five minutes into the conversation, like she genuinely sobbed she just burst into tears and she said glenn this is terrible i'm sitting in my house looking at fences and now i'm too scared to go outside she said i'm too scared to walk the dog i'm too scared that if i go out there that i'm going to get harassed by police or something's going to happen she said i just don't know what to do like i had a chat with her for quite a time and i said mom she she wasn't even hooked up with zoom or anything at the time so i said mom get on Zoom. The unfortunate thing is we had a small argument about it because she was trying to tell me that her friends and her don't know how to use it. And I said, mom, there's tutorials that will help you do it. Let me help you help yourself. So you're not feeling the isolation. You're not so broken away from your group of friends. So you can still laugh and catch up and do dinner parties. I said, I know you're not touching each other and you're not across from the table. And I said, but you can still be a part of a community and help your mental sanity. So Fortunately, she heeded my advice and she got onto that. But it was, you know, that was hard. It was hard listening to the suffering she was actually going through at the time. The second thing that impacted me is when I saw you break over it, because I've known you, what, 20 years now? About 20 years? Yeah,
0: for yeah, so, a fair
1: so, while. So I've known you for 20 years. I've known you since you're a student in the NDTF. And I've known you the whole time. And out of all the people that I've known, you've consistently been one of the happiest people I've ever met. You've always been Switzerland, like you've never really got yourself involved in anyone else's bullshit. You've never lost your wig over anything. I've never, ever seen you in a bad mood or really lose your shit, but I started to see that in you and especially over the last couple of weeks when we've been talking and I saw you really, really wig out about the mental sufferance that you're all going through down there, it dawned on me over that. Like I thought if such a positive person is really starting to feel, you know, like having a storm cloud brewing overhead, then those rumblings are really legit. There is something significantly wrong with what's happening in Victoria and the mental health impact that is happening, you know, not just on the dog training community but the community at large. So, you know, it was difficult for us because we've been able to still enjoy relative freedoms amongst our community where we can still drive, we can still go to work, we can still locally holiday and so forth. So it's easy when you sort of have that luxury available. Sure, we're whinging that we can't go overseas and we're missing things and so forth, but, you know, we weren't locked in our house by force either and I think that's something that until you've experienced that, it's pretty much like home confinement like a prisoner would have to do. It's like a negative punishment that you'd have to endure long term.
2: Yeah, I remember you saying one day you were going to not go to jiu-jitsu because you're a little bit tired and you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't think I'm going to go. Nah, I'm not going to go. And then you kind of went, Brent can't go. He doesn't have the option to mm. choose to go or to choose not to go. So you turned around and you said, Brent, I'm going to jiu-jitsu and this one's for you, you know. So I'm sure you went and tapped everybody out if it was for me, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Those times – they seem like so long ago. Mm. It's really, really strange feeling. And I've never been abused, so I don't know what this is like. But it felt this is kind of how it felt to me. It felt like somebody had this power over you and you couldn't do anything for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, when you're allowed a little bit of freedom, it was like the person who's been beating you for so long started to praise you and say that you're not a bad person, and now you can go and do a couple of little things. Not a lot, but a couple of little things. So you're really thankful for this person who's just kept you down the whole time. And that was, in some ways, how I felt in regards to the premier down here. Mm. Now, I'm not shit canning him because there's no way in the world I want that job. right? Nobody knows what's happening. At the end of the day you know, people will sit there and say, we should have done this, we should have done that. And maybe we should have, maybe other things should have been handled better. But this is where we find ourselves. And then now we're down to very, very low cases. And hopefully we can start to have the life that we've seen you guys living in, you know, New South Wales and Queensland and South Australia and WA. So now we can start to get back to that, hopefully. But it was a really weird feeling. And I think one of the things that I've really felt over the last few months is I've really needed to understand what my feelings are and how I've been thinking a lot more about it. Because number one, you've got time and you have to. So I've been a little bit more aware of my feelings. And in the last two weeks where we've had some things open up again, the first time I was allowed to go to work, which was 10 days ago or whatever it was, Mm. I got up in the morning. I was really excited. I didn't sleep the night before. And as I'm leaving the house, I had this like almost like an exhilaration thing. Like I was like, this is so exciting. And when I was thinking about it, it was, you know, when you're leaving school, like it's the end of term or like you're 12 or 13 and you're leaving school and you're like, yeah, I've got the summer and I'm going to go and have a ball and hang out with my mates all the time. That was the feeling I had being allowed to leave my home and go to work. (laughs)
0: it's crazy yeah
1: yeah
2: it's it's crazy and insane what you were saying in regards to your mum and that sort of thing and also with me like i've got clients who's like i've got a client who her husband died in the middle of all this not through covid but he died through ill health right i've got clients and, and friends who have been through marriage separations and that sort of thing like the end of relationships and long long-term relationships you know mm. years years of marriage and they've separated and then people who have had sick kids and then people who have got you know a sick father and and they've got to juggle who can go to see him at the hospital and if he dies in this time who's allowed to go to the funeral for a large family because you can only have 10 people so i'm lucky in some regards but you only know what you know so for me there are parts of the things that I was going through that I really did struggle with. And when we got locked down, I'm like, fuck, I need to do something. What can I do? You know what? I'm going to learn how to tie some knots. And everyone's like, that's cool. And like, you know, Chad Macken was sending me videos from the States going, man, have you tried this knot? This is how I would do it. This is really cool. And I was thinking about it. And I did did it for 10 days or something. I learned a few knots. And then I was thinking about it. I went, in some ways, I was forced to do that because I wouldn't have chosen to. You know, mm. when I had freedom, I didn't I didn't choose to do that when I had freedom, but I needed to do something to keep myself occupied, so I chose to do that. And part of it is like, yeah, man, well, that's good. It's a skill. And I'm like, yes, but it wasn't a chosen. I didn't choose to do it when I had choice. Right?
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that's that – yeah, it does. Mate, it's funny you're saying this. Over the couple of months that this was going on in Victoria, in two separate occasions – which I haven't talked about until now. I haven't even really told anyone about it and I'm not going to out the people, but in two separate occasions, I did two zoom consults with some people from Melbourne, you know, general dog behavior sort of things. And in both times I realized that it wasn't really a consult. It was just that they were lonely and they wanted someone to talk to. So I didn't even charge them for them in the end because I just thought I just couldn't bring myself to charge them for it because it wasn't really a dog training consult. It was just that they were super lonely And they wanted someone to talk to just to fill in the time. I didn't even try and make it a benevolence thing. I just said, look, this is just on the house anyway because, you know, you guys are going through a shit time. And they said, oh, no, no, we'll pay, we'll pay. And I said, no, no, don't pay. It's good to catch up with you anyway. It's been a long time. I hope everything's going well. And and I just, I didn't understand until all of this sort of came together. Like it's just, it all tied in and I just thought it's, it's just terrible. I know Italy went through it and other countries have been through it. But we're very detached away from that, like we're very far away and we see snippets of that on the news. And I don't say this lightly because I have a connection to the European community, but I don't say it lightly because I respect what those people have suffered through themselves. But, I mean, as I said, I know you very, very well. You're, you know, part of a a group of people that I would call family. I've got family, you know, blood family down there as well. You know, so for both of us, for both Pat and I, you know, who we've – worked very hard to develop a community sense with our group of people down there, your pain was felt far and wide and not just yeah. in Australia as well, you know, like other parts of the world, people have come to understand it. Like even people from the European community, the committee that I'm working with, they have been asking me questions. They're saying, what's going on with Australia? You know, like we're seeing news footage about what's happening in Victoria. And I said, yeah, it's, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. So it's a hard one,
0: man. Just on that, before we bring you back in Brentos, Something that's worth explaining, I think, because most of our listeners probably are overseas at this point, is that, you know, rightly or wrongly, and it's not really our place to say, but the Australian government's model has been to, like, really try pretty hard to try and eradicate COVID from here. And being an island, like, that is possible, right? Like, we as Australians can't leave Australia without a really good reason, and those reasons are pretty narrow. And then, to come back home you have to you're then isolation for 14 days and that's not like go to your house and stay there for 14 days that's like you get picked up from the plane you're on which is a special, like only so many people are allowed to come in per week. I think it's five hundred something mm-hmm. people can enter Australia per week. You get shuttled to a quarantine facility where you're paying. You're on your own dime. You, initially, it was that they were paying, but now they will say that window's shut. And especially if you have left for something, you're paying for yourself to be in. And you're looking up to you know seven thousand dollars for that, and you get quarantined for two weeks before you can re-enter the community. So we have put, you know, rightly or wrongly, that's not our place, but the measures that have been put in place here have been very strict like really really strict something then when you were talking then Brent about like the surreal experience of getting to go back to work it reminded me and this is such an outrageous thing to say but it really it was what I was thinking about when you were explaining it my first trip to Afghanistan on the last day I was there there was a a mass CAS event so it was a suicide bomber at a dogfight, actually killed 26 people wounded dozens and dozens others we were like overrun with casualties it was no gunfight or anything but it was just constant casualties all day treating people and then that night i left right it was just happened to be my last day there and then you know it takes you know day or two to get home and then i'm just at home like and it was this sort of surreal experience of being like the fuck like Mm. this is such a like the duality there is insane like and and it was just it all all that was just suddenly gone and then i was just back into the community here in australia and it was like what the fuck like i was in a war zone dealing like literally as i was that last day because i'm O positive blood i gave blood until they they couldn't give any more and then was treating people like putting my own blood back into them right and it was such a like you know it's a full-on day and then just be like Oh, I'm just going to chill out on the couch watch TV today. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, mm. yeah, it's surreal. And it felt a bit the same when it all kind of got lifted, when the restrictions got lifted. It was a very similar feeling of like this surreal, like yesterday was so weird compared to today, right? And I don't like it. it in my experience, it doesn't feel like a stretch to – to link those two things together, that surreal. But it's still empathy. Like it's yeah. empathetic because it, it's your experience of something
1: that was bizarre and otherworldly and Brent's as well. So it, you know, it does tie
0: in. Rather than having the COVID podcast, cause we've been doing that for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> where I want to take this with you, Brent, because you're a guy that can speak honestly and, you know what the sort of dude is going to be like, no, no, that's not how I felt, right? You can tell us about your feelings. I'm curious about, obviously, you're very passionate about your work and your job and your lifestyle, right? I'd say that your work is your lifestyle. And to have that removed, while that was gone, I feel like that's an exposure of your passions, right? Because you really find out, like, when you can't do anything, what is it of the things that go into my day that I want to do first? And I'm curious to hear from you, like, how did that relate to you? You know, first of all, what did your experience in behavioral science, which you know, how were you able to identify that within yourself? But then also, like, Mm, what were you ready to go for? Like, what was it and what was ignited? You know, sometimes like at the moment, and I've I've said this a million times on the show, I'm really struggling to make a video that I've been trying to make for months and months and months now, explaining the difference between negative punishment and negative reinforcement in the build up in the absence of something, right? And to a lot of people, I think those two things get really badly misunderstood. Understood, right? And so, what did it feel like to you? Was there a building pressure of negative reinforcement, like, holy fuck, I need to get back out there? Or was it more like a negative punishment feel where you're like, I've been taken from what I love, and eventually, would you give up on what you love, or was passion going to see you through?
2: Yeah, I think it's an awesome question, Pat. And to start off with, it was the negative reinforcement side. So, so i i became really involved so i developed an online course i filmed it all i edited it we got our new pup so mr smith who's now a nine-month-old rottweiler so i got him and i just started to film all the things that i have yeah i've wanted to film for ages mm-hmm. um in regards to how i run a group class and i just filmed it all with him and obviously i filmed it with puppy as well so i became really creative and and I was pumping some really good content out and that sort of thing. And then that was the first lockdown that we had. So that was really good. With the second lockdown, it was negative punishment. I I gave up. It was really, really hard. I, uh, I'm sorry. I feel I let down like the canine company. I just wasn't there for them. Like... I was putting nothing up on the Facebook page. I wasn't. I was there for people, but I wasn't putting myself out there for people Mm -hmm. because I couldn't. I had nothing.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So that was uh, that was really hard. And especially when like our canine crew are supporting us so much. Like I had canine crew members buying memberships for dogs that aren't even born yet. Wow. Buying stuff from our website that they don't need, signing dogs up for us that they'll never train, you know, like, (laughs) just weird. So, like, I really – I had that thing of I felt that I gave up in this last lockdown. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really hard to deal with. And I also felt that in that time – You know, when you're busy, when you're really busy, you get shit done. Mm -hmm. Like that saying of if you want something done, give it to the busiest person. That like that was me and I'd get stuff done lately. Like while we were locked down, I wasn't getting anything done. Mm -hmm. Like my list would just get transferred to the next day. Like I'd go out and I'd mow the lawns and I'm like, well, that's probably enough for today. Better stop. Mm -hmm. Because what will I do tomorrow? If I do all my jobs today, what will I do tomorrow? So that was a really that was also a really tough thing. One of the good things that came out of it was on our like so the canine company've got like our our private canine crew page and it's just for members. So a lot of members had found or a couple of members had found this Australian tricks training page and so they were like, hey, Brent, why don't you do this with Puppy? Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that she could do, and I'm like, that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. So our members, like, members were reaching out to me and going, hey, why don't you do this? This will be fun for you, man. Like, go down this path. So I spent, you know, probably four days just filming some stuff and just having fun with Puppy and, you know, and just teaching her some tricks, a bunch of the stuff she knew. So that, like, again, that was one of those things that, I really enjoyed doing and I just started to I just started I just jam with puppy i would just go out and I just do stuff mm-hmm. so that to me was the savior the hard part in all of that is like I kind of see myself as a little bit of a teacher mm-hmm. so I enjoy the instruction I enjoy group classes private consults I really enjoy all of those things and to not be able to do that was really hard I did do a few zoom calls but in a lot of ways, it's not the same. Like, there's no timing. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to work with a person and, and their dog, which is what I was trying to do. Mm. Very, very difficult to do. So, you know, I'd go down, there's a park down the road, we'd walk down there, and I'd teach puppy to run around the tree. You know how you had Remco running around? Mm. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I'll do that for three days and just enjoy that. It was very, very interesting. The first stage of the lockdown, I was really productive. And then the second stage, Oh, is the prisoner sitting in the corner just going, fuck it, what's the point?
0: Yeah. It's an interesting one. And, and you know, to sort of relate it to training, it's one thing that we – it's a misinterpretation of that put the dog away, right? And that's what happened to all of you guys is, you know, when you're talking negative punishment, when you put the dog away for a short period, that can be really beneficial. And the dog can come out like, I'm ready to fucking go, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is it. I'm ready to go. And then the idea of, like, putting them away and when people sort of – you know, especially – it's one of the things that I think people misinterpret of like whether you're training for the reinforcer of like lifestyle gameplay versus safe food, right? So if you're training with food and the dog is like makes a mistake, you get put them away and they, you have to put them away for a long time and they come out hungrier. But what I feel like, you know, what you're explaining is you had your whole lifestyle taken from you and to expect like the duration of that punishment was overwhelming. And I think that's what we like, that's how we can relate it to training and what mm. we do with dogs is that a little bit you can manage and it comes out and you're like, like, fuck you, yeah, I'm ready to hit the ground running and I won't make those mistakes again and I'll do what, I've got more passion for what I was doing and I'll do it better. But there reaches that tipping point where you're just like, oh, fuck it. Like, this is this is cruel and unusual punishment. This has gone too far, right? Like, this has overwhelmed me to the point where, you know, like the deactivation of the seeking system where you're no longer interested. And, you know, that's essentially depression, right?
2: On this thought process as you're talking about it, and what I'm kind of st- thinking is that imagine being a dog and you're in the crate and you don't know how long you're going to be in there for. And then, you know, Pat walks over to Remco's crate and goes, ready to come out? He's like, yeah, not just yet. Mm. And then that happens over and over and over. And then you go over to the crate and Remco's just like, fuck you, man. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Because you've changed the goalposts. You've changed them a bunch of times. And now I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And now it's not even that I don't trust you. Now there's nothing that I can do that that will make you open that crate. Mm. Like I've been good, I've followed the rules. I've done what you wanted, but the crate's still closed. And I know I've heard you talk in regards to, you know, all the all the experiments that were done, like with Learn Helplessness and yeah. Electrifying the Floors and like we all kind of know those things that happen, right? It's kind of a little bit along those
0: lines. No, it's exactly what it is, man. That's exactly it. There's nothing I do can escape from this situation, so why bother trying? And then in those experiments, even coaxing the dog, like trying to offer help and you're saying like, hey, man, and that's what, you know, like we can relate that to what Chad's doing with you, sending you like, hey, have you tried this? No, and at that point you're like, nah, it's too late. I have helplessness. I I can't be brought out of the box
2: and the same thing that where people sit there and say mate just jump on Zoom and I'm like if you were here I'd punch you in the fucking face <laughs> like like do you realize how over Zoom I am
0: yeah 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 like
2: because and I'm a really tactile person right yeah. like when I come up like everybody gets a hug and I love that so again it's just not the same so
1: that's the thing that Alarmed me considerably is when I heard the person that I've always known you to be and the person who I could hear you becoming over the last month was not you like it was a different Brent and that's not your fault. you haven't done anything wrong you just you know you just subjugated to what's happening in your environment, and that's very difficult to process. There was a show that I was watching the other day and it talked about One of the greatest needs of humanity, the necessity of what's happening next, that was the concept of what they were talking about. They've said more intelligent, more cognitive species, they really need to know what's happening next. When that's removed from your option list, when you don't know what's happening next, I think that's when you really start to focus on that feeling helpless and essentially depressed state of mind.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with (laughs) Mm. I really do. And I think the interesting thing is like the way i actually feel right now that i'm allowed to go and work is like i'm back to normal like Mm. i'm good man i feel so good i feel really happy like the sun's that little bit brighter i'm waking up earlier i've got that purpose back so i think that's really good i'm still we're still not allowed to do group classes for us at the moment we can do private consults we can't do group classes we're waiting for clarification on numbers and also for the councils to open the grounds that we train on. So we're waiting for that sort of stuff, but that should happen in the next you know, week or two weeks or something. So that'll be good. But I feel like I'm back. I still can't do like gyms aren't open, so you can't go to a gym. I still can't do jujitsu. Hopefully I can do jujitsu again at some stage, But something that I love, like, I love running group classes. Like, I love it. Like, that's not work for me. That's the best feeling. That's my style. I love it. Mm. And I've run run four group classes since March, and I generally do three a week. Mm. So it's crazy. The thing that I love, and in some ways, like, I really identify with and, and people identify me with, I haven't been able to do that. But now that we can do stuff, there's just this level of, like, I forgive really quickly and easily and probably sometimes too easily or whatever. But now that I can go out and I can work and we can start to live something relatively normal, people are like, oh, how bad was it a month ago? I'm like, ah, it was all right. Not that bad. <laughs> you know, so like, I oh, fuck, I fucking moved on. I'm like, ah. That's like last week. Don't worry about it. You
0: know? So <laughs> I actually caught myself a little while ago saying to Jane and said something about like, you know what was cool? When we were in lockdown and like <laughs> we were we were like forced family time. I was like, you know, because you know, we're very lucky. I have a gym in my garage and yeah. you know, I have a big space. There's kids in my building. So we were just sort of on forced family time. And of course it grew tired, but we yeah. we had to delay our workouts to the afternoon because we were day drinking and fucking <laughs> hacking around. And I was like, you know, I said to Jane at one point, I was like, we have to like not work out until two because we, at least that gives us a reason to stay sober all day. And then we could drink after that. And it was like at the time you're sort of whinging. And then afterwards I was like, man, we spent some good times. We had some like good family time, like forced family time.
2: That was definitely what happened like in the first lockdown. Like we were the same. Like Kat and I, like the Traeger grill got a real workout, you know, like we really enjoyed that. And we made the most of it. It's like, hey, what do you want to do today? Right? We enjoy camping. So we got our tent and we sat our tent on the front Deck nice. because we couldn't go camping, so we just like we actually slept outside for eight nights in a row. <laughs> <laughs> True, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: not go camping, so let's just sleep out here. And We had Mister Smith at the time as a as a young puppy, so toilet training was great. Like you'd unzip the tent, kick him out, he'd go to the bathroom, and he'd wander back in. It's like this is perfect.
0: <laughs> hey, mate, tell us about that. So that's just freak timing. You ended up with a COVID puppy, right? Yeah. Um, so what did you do? Tell us, like, you know, because we're hearing all these horror stories now of people who have under-socialized their dogs. And we spoke about it on the podcast that, you know, it was clear that was coming. Everybody in the industry knew that was coming. And people were getting dogs that they probably shouldn't have just to fill the void. And, and now we've seen remnants of them in the kennels. Yeah. with hmm. well, I mean, every dog trainer, every professional or semi-professional enthusiast is now yeah. – get in the midst of that. And I think everybody is rightly kind of pissed off because it wasn't that fucking hard to continue to do the work with Mm. a puppy, right? Tell us about your experience with him and, you know, what you think the impact, like, do you think he's a better or a worse version of himself having you gotten him as a COVID puppy?
2: So we got him, I think it was March. So we lost Zuka, I think Feb, got him in March and then we went into lockdown. So one of the things that we had was we had about, I think we had about three weeks with him in our house here. And then uh, through, we actually needed to move out. We needed to get some uh, work done in our bathroom. So we didn't choose it. It just needed to happen. So we had to move out. And when we moved out, we moved out to a place called Wonga Park which is relatively isolated there's not a lot of foot traffic and where we were at this house um this airbnb if we wanted to see anyone we had to drive out to see someone so mm-hmm. with mr smith when we first got him we were taking him you know locally and even then it was all about social distancing so we would walk along with our puppy and then people would go oh look there's a puppy and we go do you want to pat him so he got all of this exposure to people and he got exposure to traffic and, uh-huh. you know, we would we would take bowls of food down and we'd just feed him on the main road and, you know, we would fill clamshells up with water and put his food in that. So he got lots of exposure to lots of different things and then when we had to move out to Wonga Park, I think we were out there for six weeks, which was kind of towards the end of his critical period, we just had to make sure that we would take him down to the local shops because he was actually getting quite car sick. Mm -hmm. So to drive half an hour for him was like way too much. So the local shops were about you know eight minutes away. So we'd drive down there and just get him used to cars and traffic and people and surfaces and all those sorts of things down there. So now when he's you know he's nine months or whatever he is now, super, super friendly. He loves people, he loves dogs. So one of the things that we've not been able to do is rein that back. Right. Like in our group classes, we could be down there with 70 people going, sorry, dude, you can't say hello to everybody here. Like you're Mm. not allowed. Whereas now as he walks along the street, he's like, oh, my God, there's a person on the other side of the road. They must be here for me. And he just wants to run across and say hello.
0: Mm.
2: So we're lucky in that regard that we've got the friendly dogs so we can as Cookie says, right? Like it's easy to cut off because you can't cut on. Yeah. So we can bring that back. As soon as group classes start again, we can get them out and get them used to, all right, focusing in on us a little bit more and know you don't have the freedom to say hello to everybody. Mm-hmm. But for those people where maybe the dog genetically was a little bit more fearful, I think they might struggle a little bit. So coming back to group classes when we can will be super interesting. But with him, is he a better version of himself? I don't know, man. He's just Mr. Smith. He's yeah. a he's a classic. He's he's really really funny. When we first got him, I used to call him Sluggy because he was he just seemed like he just slept all the time. Um, it's like, do you want to do some stuff? He's like, yeah. Jeez, Pop. that was exhausting. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and because we'd had Zuka, like, and Zuka at 12, 13 weeks of age was like an amazing dog. And you could almost have a – like, if you wanted to teach Zuka something, like, you just almost have a conversation with him, and he's like, got it. All right. So you want me to run over there, stand on the chair, grab the thing, bring it back? I'm like, yeah, do that. Like, and he would have it. Whereas yeah, Mr. Yeah. Smith, it's like, right, let's do this again, hey? <laughs>
0: a lot more doggy.
2: Oh, my God. But uh, but he's a really sweet boy. Uh, him and Puppy, just are awesome friends they play beautifully together they hang out all the time so yeah that that's also been a really really nice thing to have you know to have puppy luzuka and then get Mr. Smith relatively quickly after I think was really good for her mm. because it gave her a little playmate again. So, yeah, that was cool.
0: can be really hard to know what to do in those situations, right, when you mm. lose the older dog. It can be really hard to determine how, like, what sort of grieving process. Like, you have to obviously grieve yourself, but then yeah. knowing what the other dogs is going to be like in that regard, you know, and how long a process they need and would they be uncomfortable about bringing another dog in. It sounds That's like right. you got it right, but mm. it, it, it can be a really tricky thing to manage. Manage. I know that for sure.
2: I was really good with it. Puppy was really good with it. And Kat really struggled for actually quite a long time mm. because because Mr. Smith was just like, eh, whatever, you know. So she didn't get that bond that she loves and he wasn't choosing her all the time. He'd go over and say, hey, how you doing? And then just walk off, you know. So Kat had to obviously deal with the loss of Zuka, which happened relatively quickly. And then this puppy, which we'd kind of been contemplating anyway, like it wasn't like we've lost Zuka, we need a puppy. Mm-hmm. We'd been talking about it. So the timing actually worked out really, really well. And we got him from a recommendation from Big Nev. So that was really cool. And Cat struggled because it, like, they just didn't gel, you know. And then when we moved to Wonga Park, Cat had a whole bunch of work that she was doing. So they just – I don't know. It was a weird one. And then one day, I think they just went for a walk one day and she came back and she's like, got it. Like it's there. Mm. I can feel it. And even from like from her, like she switched from there. So I think her first lockdown was actually harder than the second lockdown. So that was quite an interesting thing to kind of see from the outside and, and look at too.
1: It is very difficult taking in a new dog into a family And especially under those circumstances where you've said goodbye to an old soul that you know and bringing in a completely new family member, a new dog, new puppy, et cetera, et cetera. I think I talked about this a while ago where all the dogs that came in after Harley were all measured to Harley. And I realize I'm doing a massive injustice to every dog because I'm trying to make them fit a mold that will never be replaced. So my advice to people over that is don't do it as much as you want to celebrate the love and the life of that dog and thank the world, the universe, whatever you want to thank for getting the access to that dog and having that relationship. But don't put that heavy burden on top of them because they won't fulfill it and then you'll be disappointed. Whereas if when you realize this is a completely new dog, new personality, new soul, every day is going to be different. What's going to happen next? That helped me get over that whole, oh, this dog's not Harley. It's not doing this. It's, the drives aren't there. This is not happening. This is not working out. I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get that. After I removed that stigma, things got a lot better for me.
2: Yeah, I think that that was certainly one of the things I continued to say to Cat, and she's like, "I know the different dogs, and I'm not comparing, but yeah, <laughs> I'm like start with the butts, all right? Yeah. So
1: anything you say after but, yeah. what was that? After anything but. after you say after but is what you really mean.
0: <laughs> I think we see that. <laughs> I think it's referred to as like second dog syndrome and it manifests differently in different people. Like we spoke recently about when people get the V8 and they're like, okay, you're going to be my fucking competition dog. And they overdo the training. They're like, you've got to know this, you've got to know this. And if by six months, I'm not like the king of the YouTube and Facebook, like you have fucked up and I have, I have failed as a trainer and you have failed me as a dog. And they put all this pressure on the dog. And that's what we tend to see. Like sometimes with junior trainers and, What I find with really advanced trainers and also with pet people, it's funny that they kind of cross over in that same space is the lifestyle piece is what they find difficult because it's like, hey... My last dog knew this shit. Like I could there were a lot of informal commands, you know, mm. just simple stuff like the dog's asleep in front of the doorway. And normally you would say to your old dog, like, wait, get out of the doorway. And the dog would know what you meant, but through repetition of okay. you having done it 10,000 times throughout the dog's life and get out of the way. And I think we, yeah, the dogs read our body language and all that sort of stuff. And we can be guilty of it. And certainly I've said this where we think that our older dogs basically speak plain English because you can tell them to do stuff and they know exactly what you're meaning to do and you feel like at a, with a 15 year old dog yeah we're in tune with each other like we know each other and you do but it took 15 years to get to that point right and mm. then you get this new puppy and he's asleep in front of the doorway and you're like oh you get out of the way and the puppy's like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about man like that is I don't understand you and you forget like oh the other dog was an asshole for three years as well yeah obviously. but that was 12 years ago I've forgotten about those three years and when I look back at this I look at back through the the lens of rose-colored glasses. I only remember the good times. I never remember all the shitting in the house and the destroying of my furniture because I've changed furniture twice, right? Like that stuff's long gone and it can be really easy to fall into that trap. But I think it's interesting that that happens mostly with pet people and with really experienced trainers. Mm. It's the people in the middle ground there that are like, no, you're going to learn everything and I'm going to overdo you, <laughs> right?
2: yeah. It's really interesting. Like, So people will sit there and say, so, Mr. Smith, what does he know? We're like, well, he's got a really nice drop, so that's good. We're working on his recall, so that's good. And he goes round, so we'll go, go round. So he runs around a couch or he runs around, like, the ottoman. Because when we go camping or when we're out, one of the things that happens is a dog will try and come, like, across through the fire where the chairs are. And, like, we'll be sitting around like <laughs> – yeah. Oh, you've got a jaffle! I want to come and eat the jaffle with you. We're like, mate, go round. Yeah. So it's like, so we're teaching him go round. It's like, when do you use that? And we're like, oh, we use it all the time. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really interesting because all we want from him is really nice and open and social and friendly, and a dog that we can go camping with. Like when I got puppy, being the Malinois. I wanted her to be like that showpiece for our group classes and the dog that did all the cool stuff. And, and she's not right, but she does a couple of things really, really nicely. And I love her. And it took a long, long time for me to learn to love her, but I love her and she's awesome. And she is great for our business and she does look really good. Whereas Mr. Smith is just going to be a different, like, again, he's a different dog. Mm. And the sooner we accepted that, the sooner we can get on and start to love him, you know, and not put expectations on him. So I think that was really important. I think I got that really, really quickly, but it just took Kat that little bit longer. I'm like, baby, you just need to do, like with him, you just need to do another 480 repetitions. It's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And so tell us about that online content that you were putting together during that first lockdown. So, So you had him as a tiny baby and you did a whole like puppy sort of tutorial stuff.
2: Yeah. So it's called Group Class Mastery. And I basically did it. The thought in my head when I was doing it was, I think this will be a really good video for professional trainers that want to either add group classes to the repertoire, or if they're currently doing group classes, hey, here's some information and how we run group classes you know years ago tiger woods came out and he bought this book out and it's called how i play golf mm-hmm. and some professionals like really shit canned it and he's like i don't know what you're talking about like no it's not traditional but this is called how i play golf right and i'm the best in the world
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? so fuck so, all you <laughs>
2: so fuck you so one of the things that i kind of wanted to do was like well, we're good at what we do in regards to running group classes. This is how I run group classes. So that was the content that I sort of put together. And the way I did it was there's a professional's part, which is exactly how we run group classes. So like there's over an hour and a half of me talking about information that you'll need, how to set up reception, how to talk to clients, what equipment you'll need, all of those types of things that you may or may not know. And then all of the techniques that we use in regards to running our group class. And then I go through loose lead walking, teaching the drop, teaching the recall, and then how to handle your dog and teach them the sit. So, like, basically foundational stuff. And then in that foundational stuff, how to advance it through the teaching, training, proofing phases. And then I've also used puppy as that proofing Like, so by doing this, you get to this stage. By doing this stage, you'll get to this stage. And then we have a dog that can do it. So that's great. uh, I'm really proud of it. It was, it's come out really, really well. And I've had some really nice feedback. I've had a couple of people from overseas who have messaged me since. And they're like, since watching it, I've changed my group class setup. I no longer do this. I've implemented the stuff that you have said that you do. And like, you know, my classes are shitloads better, and I'm busier. So, yeah, it seems like it's really helped. and yeah, i'm I'm really proud of it. It was really good.
1: I think that's a great niche field to fill because there's so many people that I know, and I say this without bragging or being egotistical about it, but I probably train more NDTF students than most people, you know, especially this year, we've been smashing through it. And there's a lot of people who get into this. And the reason that we do go through the meticulous part of the NDTF about, you know, how to run a class, all the consideration, amenities, WHS, work, health, and safety, the whole gambit is because there's a lot of people who go out there, they do online dog training courses, or you know, they train a dog, and then they go, Well, now I'm a trainer, and they go and hit the field, but they've got no idea how to amalgamate the business with the dog training side of it because if you're running a dog training club, you're not a dog trainer. You're a business manager, you know, and you're you're organizing and structuring and running people. So you're doing crowd control, business management, administration, marketing. You're doing some training, but your philosophy has to change from I am a dog trainer training dogs on the field to I am teaching people, you know, and that's what people go, oh, holy shit, I'm doing something different and then they kind of worry about it because then they think, oh, I'm not training dogs anymore. But you, then you've got to decide what do you want to do? Do you want to be a dog trainer? Because what I consider a dog trainer is somebody who is, you know, out training the dog most of the time or they're doing a board and train sort of thing where most of the time all day in and out they're training dogs. Other people are amalgamating between those worlds where their business, marketing, training, you know, they're sort of in between it. So there is a need for that sort of thing. I know people have done similar things like that throughout the ages, but there's a lot of people who don't do it well or don't explain. Again, I'm going to use the word nuances, you know, to show people these are some considerations on what you can do to actually do it better, to enhance the experience that customers actually have when they come to you. So, When they are coming down there, they're not left walking around a field thinking, what the fuck do I do? Who do I go to? What am I supposed to do? What equipment should I be wearing on my dog? You know, I think one of the greatest things in our experience, and I think you guys went on to improve it from what we did in the day with ADT, was... We really did do those things well. You know, like we had equipment officers that used to go around and check all the equipment before people would come into classes. It was structured very well. There were tags to tell people where to go. You know, there were signs and there was structure. There was a preamble before people got to go to class. So that was a very important thing. So, mate, I'm really pleased to hear that you put something together online because you had to come down and experience that where a lot of people, unless they were involved in that community – They were very detached from that whole process.
0: Have I ever told either of you about the first time (laughs) I ran a group class? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to shit? It was a fucking shit show. (laughs) Like it was a disaster. It was genuinely like I nearly threw my hands up in the air and ran away, right? Because – what happened was it was in my last year in the army. Do you know, I saw you smirking off to
1: the side and I'm thinking <laughs> Pat's got this, the whole time I've been telling you this story, Pat's been smiling like the Cheshire cat on my, on my left-hand side. And I'm thinking to myself, the fuck is he smiling Damn. at
0: so much? It was a fucking shit show.
1: He'd
2: it be in the kid in the back
1: Sir, sir, yeah, I, I could wait. I could feel his smile like burning into my ear, and I'm thinking, uh, like I'm talking to you, and I'm having this story, but I could not help notice that Pat was like, he's sitting there with his eyes wide open, like yeah. like dish pans, waiting to tell this story. Go ahead. So, yeah, you
0: know, like I did two years at the Special Forces Training Center, right? I have, know how to teach. People. I know how to teach people mm. some fucking important stuff. Yeah, right. Anyway, so my last probably 18 months in the army as well, I was thinking I wanted to do something else and I was very lucky. The guys at Scruffy's, it was a weird link. So Scruffy's is a, a huge daycare well, here you met Lauren Sydney. Hoyle. And- yeah, so yeah. it was a weird link to my physio actually linked me up with them. And I went in and was really honest with those guys and said, hey, I'm thinking about stealing your whole business model, right? Like I'm thinking about opening a daycare facility. Can I work here for a month to effectively do that mm. and unbelievably they were like yeah sure like no worries totally and i was you know i wanted to do it in a different area i wasn't going to be competition for them but they they were amazing to me like genuinely amazing mm. showed me all the behind the scenes open the books it, up to eleanor me. and the crew yeah. yeah lovely people yeah truly yeah. amazing yeah Like a really fantastic facility. Anyway, I worked there for a month and it was enough for me to realize I didn't want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to open. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do training. I didn't want to do like have a big facility and look after people's dogs all day. And so that was Lauren Hoyle, who I met there. Like then I asked her, hey, can I work with you for a month and see if I want to be an in-home trainer, right? So I started doing that and was like, yeah, I do enjoy this, right? So one of the things she does is these group classes. She does puppy classes and there's like her intermediate sort of class. And I think she's completely overhauled the whole thing. But anyway, she says to me, do you want to teach one of the classes? And I'm like, yeah, I can fuck teach that. She goes, you know, it's not easy teaching a group class. And I'm like, don't fucking tell me what's easy. We're teaching dogs to walk on a loose leash and sit. Like that is easy. If ever there was easy, that's what easy is. I know how to do that. And I'm a goddamn military instructor, right? Like so I'm thinking this is gonna be a fun, <laughs> this is gonna be a walk in the park, right? So Rocky <laughs> And it starts out, so there's only like six people in the class, but it's in this facility. But there's six dogs. So that means there's maybe like twelve people in the room. Then there are a bunch of kids that are just like, I don't know what the fuck they were doing there, just there specifically <laughs> to cause me difficulty. So I'm like, sweet, military lesson template, right? We start off, here's the what why standard. During this lesson, you're gonna be taught you know, how to walk your dog on a loose leash. The reason you need to know that is because you have to walk around the dog. You don't want to feel dragging you, right? By the end of this lesson, you will understand the process and how to, and you can see these people going, the fuck's this guy talking to us like this for, right? We all start crying like in kindergarten. <laughs> no, no. And I, so I, from the army, you can do as you're told. You, I'm the, I'm you the have captain. to do what I say, yeah. right? I'm the boss. You have to do what I say. These people didn't have to do a fucking thing that I said. And I realized that pretty quickly as they're all just talking amongst each other, they're all just doing whatever the fuck they want with their dog. And I've got no control over what's going on in the room, right? Like no control. I'm losing it. People are all over the place. I end up having to go like full drill sergeant on a bunch of people. I'm like, listen, stop. Would you just fucking like, would you put that kid on a goddamn leash?
1: <laughs> like, kindergarten cop.
0: <laughs> Mate, it was John shit That's what we we'll call him, John Kimball. It was a shit show. I said to Lauren afterwards, I said, I don't know how the fuck you do that. Right. Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't yell at people like you do. <laughs> and, and it was for me, it was like hugely like informative. That was when, you know, I don't teach anything like that. Now I've had to adapt. Right. But I was like, holy shit. People don't just do exactly what I say when I say. Mm. Like, that's just not a thing that happens to civilians. That's not how it works. I don't wield some magic power because of these stripes on my arm. I don't have any stripes on my arm. I can't just tell people what to do. Mm. Uh, Anyway, it was a shit show. Uh, It was a fucking disaster. If only there were an online resource I could have watched (laughs) prior. Well, funnily
1: enough. now And where do they find that online resource, Brentos?
2: So if you go to the caninecompany.com dot AU forward slash video, you'll see it there. So it's a um, say it one more yeah, time. The canine company. So letter K number nine, the dot AU forward slash video. Cool. Mm-hmm. Because- there's two, and there's two components. So there's the pet dog side of it. So, you know, whether you've got a eight week old puppy or a two year old dog, you know, that you've just got through COVID or whatever. There's that component, which is around about an hour and a half, a little bit longer, of all of the techniques Mm -hmm. and the way that we do training and the way that we teach those skills. And then there's the professional side of it, which is all of those videos plus the breakdown of how we do group classes and, as I say, you know, like the things that we use, the insurance that you might need, places that work. Also, I I do pros and cons of, like, so we don't do like a six week course. We just do week after week after week after week, right? So we're always there. So I go through the pros and cons of of what I believe are the benefits of the way that we do it too. So I think that's been that's been helpful for a few people.
0: I think it's a cool idea, mate, because like mm. I say, it's one thing to train a dog. It's another to train a person and it's another altogether to keep together a a group of people. Yeah. And keeping them motivated and keeping them all working towards a central task and focused and actually working like on what you want them to work on not looking at other dogs and going like look at that cute puppy over there and absolutely crew you know there's a real relevancy in in what we're
1: doing and the reason that we're coming together and talking about this and offering education and essentially having this podcast and these discussions is because earlier on when I came up to Sydney to start running pet resorts and the group of companies that I'm involved in we had a bit of an ethos that anybody could fill the role of a resort manager and I said nah don't agree with that at all and Dave was Fairly new into it And he said Oh look You know I Respectively I agree to disagree And I said Dave look It'll be a mistake But let's do it your way To start with And see how it goes And we've brought people in And they've it, Literally for them It was like Kindergarten Cop Talking about that show Where they're just coming in And you can just see Their hands on their head And they're just Totally overwhelmed and these are, you know, like people with who are business majors and stuff like that, but they can't handle it because they don't understand, like it's not a product, it's not a widget that they're just dealing with. These are people's pets and their family and these people will kill you and slaughter you over it, you know, and they have no empathy and they have no timing and tact and feeling about how to deal with animals. So from now on, anybody that we has to undergo a really rigorous scrutineering program. And even then, you know, like even then it's still hard to get that right person because it's an expression that i stolen off Pat, but I call the reception job the meat grinder because, you know, he talked about that being part of the army and I call that the reception role because reception really is the resort manager's job is a very tough job. It's a very tough job and it takes a particular type of person to be able to do it successfully and be able to – successfully incorporate all those little ideas together so you know that's one of the training processes we make sure anything that we can improve like we're always looking about who's the best at doing this and who's the best at doing that to incorporate them in part of the training role that we bring the new people in so i mean i applaud and i herald these type of things that's you know i think these are great things to help people get into the industry and Make that transition as smooth as possible because it can be so overwhelming when you're dealing with a bunch of adults who don't have to do what you tell them. Effectively, you know, the same thing with the NDTF course. When people are walking in and out of class or not turning up from day to day, I used to get really upset about it and get so enraged and and take it personally. Now I just think, hey, you're an adult. You paid for this course, you pass it or you don't. And students have rang me up and said, oh, look, I've got this on, I've got that on. I said, hey, man, it's up to you. I'll be here. If you're here the next day, great. If you're not, you're going to have to make time yourself to catch up. Like you're going to have to come back on your own time. And they said, oh, you know, what about if I can't do this? And I said, hey, it's on you. You know, like um, the options are there for you to transfer courses or whatever you need to do. You just have to do the best you can. I have to run it for the group majority. So, yeah, man, great, wonderful, love it. Totally support it. I think it's awesome.
2: That's pretty much how I run my group classes too. Yeah. Like you cater for the masses and you want.
1: You have to. to you cannot stop for the one person who's struggling. It's the same thing for a, cl- a school teacher who's teaching school. Mm-hmm. The student who's falling behind, they have to talk to the parents and say he needs tutoring, you know, and well, it's the same thing yeah. I say to people. You need private lessons. You know, like I've had students who they're struggling in the class with things, and I've said to them, you need to do private lessons, either with me or Kena. You know, like you need to, you need to come and see us after hours or during another time. I know what you're struggling with and I can't help you catch up with class when I have to run to the class standard. I said, there's nothing I can do about that. I can't grind the machine to a halt and then ignore everybody else, like 14 other different people in there and stop and totally focus on this. And I said, I understand, I empathize, I get it. I totally know that you're struggling with it. And I said, but you have to do a private lesson. And it's the same thing I tell people in class instruction as well. Don't stop for the one person who's struggling. Just say to them, I understand, I see you. I understand what you're struggling with. See me after class, we need to talk about it.
2: That's where we are really, really good with our setup, right? So yes. when you watch the video and buy the course cookie, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the things that we do is we have a floater. Yep. So we have one person that runs the Absolutely. class. And then we have a floater who goes around and helps out individually. So we're kind of not leaving anyone behind, you yep. know? So
1: It's your assistant. It's yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We went to – we got invited down to Hobart earlier this year when we were allowed to travel way back in the day, and we did a weekend workshop for these guys down in Hobart, Eastern Shore Dog Club, and it was just all of the trainers who were there, and they were awesome. All they wanted was information, like how can we do our group classes better? Mm. Like just tell us. And we're like, look, this is our setup, and we have one person, and then we have a floater. And they went – I don't think we'll call them floaters. Maybe we'll call them the second person. <laughs> <laughs> like, Okay, call them what you want. But like again, that was that was something that was really, really cool to go down and just see these people just embrace what we were trying to do and the way that we ran our classes so you know as soon as we can kind of get that information out we know that we're going to help clubs and it's like going to a seminar like you go to a seminar we've had we've all been there and on the second day at 3 30 in the afternoon like that's the information that you needed like ah that's why i sat here for you know a day and a half because that was what i needed to hear at the moment like that was the piece that clicked so i think that's one of the things for me um, in regards to the course, it's like there might be a bunch of stuff that you know, a bunch of stuff that you're already doing, but hopefully there's a couple of little things in there that you go, ah, that makes sense. Maybe I'm going to try that. Yeah. That's cool.
1: Cool, man. I'm really so happy to hear you coming through the other side of this, feeling a lot better and looking a lot better too, mate. I mean, and I say this with absolute commitment is that you're one of the people I love most in this world. Like you're one of the most important people to me. I've known you for a long time. You've been one of the people who've helped me up when I found life a real struggle. You've been there for me. And I hope that I never let you down during your struggle. I may have not known how hard it was for you, but it did dawn on me. I tried to send you some funny, silly memes quite a lot to... To bring a smile to your face, and I know that sometimes are probably highly inappropriate, but you know anything that I thought was funny, I thought I'd share it with you just to try and lighten the load a little bit. So I'm really happy we had this talk, mate. And I'm like looking at you now because I know we're on video link with each other. It's great to hear that your spark is back.
2: Thank you, mate. I appreciate, and I do appreciate all the memes. You know, and they started they started way back in March, I think, too. So. It was good. It was a a little bit of fun. So that kind of definitely made me giggle a little bit. I think through, especially over the last month, a couple of things that I really made sure I did. So I got off Facebook for quite a while. Mm, Yeah. Because every time I was on Facebook, all I saw was diversity and angriness and frustration from all of my friends in the US. Yeah. And then my very next post would be all of the frustration and anger pointed towards the Victorian situation. Yep. And then the next post I would see would be all my mates up in Sydney going, fuck, I'm at the pub, how about this, the beach. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then the one that really tipped me over, which was heartbreaking, and nobody knows these things, right, was seeing you guys when you went for your walk and Pat's walking down this, um, down that path was ripped. And you're like getting your wiggle on, and you're moving, and you're dancing, and like you're having a ball, and it's you and Jazzy and Bird. and I'm just like, I can't deal with it. Like that one was heartbreaking because I know we haven't been able to do that. Like I haven't been to Sydney, I haven't come up for that Sydney family time. Yeah, you know, which I know. We do for a year, like that was, like that was a real heartbreaker for me to see. Mm. But nobody knows. Like you, you guys no one else can stop living. No one else can stop doing what they're doing because other people are struggling and you've got to put those things out there. But me now looking back on it, I'm like, what an awesome time. I can't wait to do that. But in that moment it was like, fuck, that's hard to see.
0: Yeah, Mm. That's one thing that really has been an added layer of difficulty this year is I think people take for maybe people around the world probably don't know, but the Australian dog training community is actually pretty tight knit. Like, and, people get along pretty well in a lot of cases, right? Mm. I guess fuckwits everywhere, but overwhelmingly, it's very tight-knit, very collective, very good referral group, great network. Mm. And when there's events, there's a lot of people that go to seminars like... The sixth time to see the same guy they could teach their <laughs> seminar, but they're just there because they're catching up with brethren and yeah, sisters. they're paying to sit in sisters, the room yeah. with their friends, and then we go to biz and yep. like sit in this room and talk shit to each other all night. And <laughs> that's been a big thing to miss all year, right? 100%. And, like, we almost really i keep saying it every year, I should be careful saying it out loud, but because that kind of holds me accountable. But I want to organize like a dog trainers Christmas party because you know, we don't like most of us are one man show band, like business. Right. So like the work Christmas party for me is me, Remy and Val, right. <laughs> like that's the party. We've talked party. about it before. and we've oh, we talked about, about a heaps of times in. about yeah. having it just a, a Christmas party where it's in that shed or something like that. And it's just like, we pretend that it's five o'clock during a seminar and we all just, just like slamming beers and yeah, talking just shit. talking shit and just hanging out. It'd be yep. just, we really should try and find a way to do that. We really should. Because it like, that's been something I think the community has, missed and just sort of seeing people for the like oh hey how are you what's going on what's mm. news you know like nothing like so very informally because you see people sort of all the time but now that not having done that it'd be like you know that's a heavy weight we need to relieve but anyway yeah. we should figure that out yeah absolutely i'm 100 on board with that well hey we got dogs to train it's thursday night we're, we're recording at an unusual time but here we are okay. so we've got to go i gotta go train dogs
2: I really miss the Thursday night crew too, right? Like that's always been one of the things of people like, you know, when there's a, a seminar in Sydney and I'm like, right, I need to go up. When's the seminar? It's on Saturday. When are you going? Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got to yeah. get to Thursday night training, bro. <laughs>
1: yeah. Cause I mean, it's not unusual for you to be up here two or three times a year.
2: No, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I even said to me, to yeah. on, it's it's been really nice. It's been really good to see you guys." Mm. And i think, I think for me, the timing's been really good because I think if it was, if it was three weeks ago, it would be a terrible podcast. So hopefully, people have are still with us and they've got through their first twenty minutes, which was a little bit heavy and, um, and well, that thanks, sort of thing. Well, but- thanks,
0: for coming on, mate. I appreciate your honesty and sort of being so candid like that. I just think that it's wor- you know it's worth. You are the face of hundreds of thousands or a million people in Melbourne that feel the same way. And you're yep. the one that we can talk to. And, and, and a very authentic person too. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate it. Plug yeah. your video one more time before I do the wrap up, mate. Where do people get it?
2: au forward slash video. And then if you want to catch up with me on Instagram, Brent Dry Dog Trainer. And if you want to do Facebook, Brent Dry. but shoot me a message so you're not too random especially Facebook add me on Instagram Facebook's a little bit more personal so
0: yeah I think a lot of people are going that way I think like for me I'm very rarely on Facebook anymore like it's really it's a work tool I think that's one yeah. thing that's really changed during this lockdown right is there are a lot of people that sort of I couldn't watch the meltdown. I couldn't watch the live meltdowns anymore. And I just couldn't handle the conspiracy theories. So yeah. it was too much for me. I had to just pull away.
1: Pat and I have had a very strong consensus throughout the whole entire podcast during the pandemic that we would really try not to have a political swing or to bring any of, you know, like serious negativity onto the show because we wanted to maintain a show that people could relate to and and listen and follow along with dog training. And we know that it wasn't life as normal. We never tried to pretend that, but we just didn't want to, you know, there's enough news sources and there's enough people talking about all that shit. We just didn't really want to bring it onto the show. And it's, you know, I know things are important to people and we get it and we understand it because we've had people say to us, why aren't you guys swinging this way or talking about this? Because this is a fundamentally a dog training podcast speaking with our family in the dog training community and that's really where we want to maintain that integrity as much as we possibly can i mean we're opinionated guys we've got opinions on things and stuff like that but we just didn't really want to break stride on that and swing heavily left or heavily right and i don't think that's going to change into the future Um, so i feel that we can walk tall on that fact to be honest
2: yeah, I agree. And I don't believe this was a political podcast at all. This is just the the way that I felt and how I dealt with it, you know. So, but
1: there's nothing political about it, mate. It was an experience with somebody who so many others felt that way as well, and it's a great insight for other people to look into because As we said, sometimes we forget what other people are enduring when life goes on as normal.
2: Yeah, and there are a whole bunch of dog trainers that reached out to me and I reached out to a whole bunch of dog trainers down here. And we really, like in in regards to that community thing, like I, I jumped on Zoom a couple of months ago and I just put my Zoom link out. I said, hey, guys, if anyone wants to jump on, like it's Sunday afternoon, I'm having beers. And I, I end up so drunk. <laughs> like people kept jumping on, so I couldn't get off. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But like, and they were just like just an awesome bunch of dog trainers and people I hadn't seen for ages jumped on. You know, so mm. like that sort of thing was cool. But the dog trainers down here have really tried to support each other. Like Jules put a really really good paper together, try and you know open dog trainers up earlier and you know all of those sorts of things so i think we've really supported each other so at the end of the day hopefully this brings us closer together again you know so
0: just stay that 1.5 meters
1: apart mate yeah
2: yeah well your beard's (laughs) almost grown
1: 1.5 meters now so (laughs)
2: yeah yeah It's a good thing.
0: Yep. <laughs> all right. I'm wrapping it up. That's yep. it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe, do that through whatever subscription service you download us from and be specific. Mm. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is via Patreon. That's been one of the amazing things about this whole pandemic is the amount of people who have continued to support us and the Thank show you. through that. We Thank cannot you. honestly, like it. You know, we're not paying lip service and say like, honestly, it's amazing. Thank you all so very, very, very much. Mm. The other way you can support the show is to buy cool merch. We got what it, uh, you've made fanny packs now. Fanny packs,
1: uh, yeah. So we've got fanny. Packs. Have, have we got any of those coming? Did you order any for us? Uh, yes. Okay, yes. Of so you got fanny Perfect. packs. So we'll send you a fanny pack, Brent. I'll be wearing that with my, my I, Hawaiian I shirt. I
2: quite often wear the fanny pack, so yeah, I'd wear that one with pride. Don't worry. So you about know that.
1: I'm going to tickle your fanny next time I see you.
0: All right, oh, all, right. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. If you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that. If you want training advice or anything like that is post in the discussion group, right? there's a, You can group source information there. Mm-hmm. If you want info out of one of us, just get in contact with one of us. There's a million ways you can do that. And if you want to email about the show, we are info at com. That's it. Goodbye. Thanks, Brentos. Thanks, <laughs> guys.